welcome to Black, Black Chicks Bible, Bible Study, where we are reclaiming the Bible one book at a time. We're on episode 61. Ooh, nuts. So what did you think of Second Peter? Second Peter? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was okay. It was pretty quick. And uh, I guess I feel like a lot of it was uh warning against like false prophets and whatnot which kind of felt familiar to me so i'm like wondering because i remember um growing up just kind of always reading passages about false prophets and things like that and i'm feeling like some of it sounded familiar so i'm like wondering if a lot of that you know came from this book i feel like we're we're nearing the end so i feel like i also got a little bit more of the like kind of the end coming and the end is near vibes so oh for sure yeah what did you think <laughs> I liked um I liked that it felt like more of a gentle reminder to Peter's audience he's mm -hmm. kind of like yeah here's like a reminder and a warning before I depart from this earth and stay mm -hmm. strong and don't fall for anyone else yeah I picked up on a theme in addition to what you said of like stability and um, peace and all of that. So we'll get into it. Do you remember your word of faith? I do. It was very concrete. I said I was going to fast for what was it? Seven days. Um, failed miserably. Um, <laughs> I will say I, I, I think I did fast for probably seven days, just not in a row. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's just been extra hard getting in that mindset and resisting the temptation of food these days. So I'm kind of disappointed in myself, but I will say I did try, you know, because I know I, I talked about like, you know, I wasn't really putting in as much effort or and whatnot into it this time, but like I actually really did try this time and I just, I don't know. Well, that doesn't sound like, I feel like sometimes you report your testimony as like a complete failure, but then you're like, you add a caveat that you kind of half did it. So I don't see it as a full failure if you were able to fast sporadically, even if it wasn't like all together. But I guess, yeah, if your goal was a week straight, that was, yeah, I get it. But, but good job on the start. And then next time, hopefully it'll, you know, just keep adding on to it. Yeah. I'm hoping that maybe at least it'll try to jump start. So when I finally am a little bit more in the mindset, it'll be an easier transition. We'll see, or maybe I just will give up altogether and <laughs> who knows, we'll see. Yeah, who, who time knows? will tell. It's really hard to just find that spot where it's not a thing, you're, you know, like you're just like, okay, I'm eating pretty healthy, but every once in a while, you know, I eat mm -hmm. whatever and it's, it's not a thing. It's just hard though to like, I almost sometimes when I do fast, I always get scared of eating again because I do get mm -hmm. like triggered into eating like, you know, uh, really bad things or one bag of chips will then end up being like, okay, well now I also want pizza and now I want this. And then, yeah, it's like the more you stay away, you strengthen the craving too. Even if you're feeling yeah. really good and healthy, it's like you're, it's the deprivation, but. Right. Anyway. Being a real addict here. <laughs> um. I remember my word of faith. Um, it was to have more sincerity, right? And like go with my first drafts. Oh, yeah. Self-edit so much. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I did think about that a lot, especially while 
writing like texts and emails. I think I've been a lot more breezy or off the cuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and more, even more long-winded, but in a way where I'm not being super concise in writing just to save every second of the other person's time, if that makes sense. Like I'm more willing to just say what, how it's coming out in my head, like how I'm just like, yeah, more off the cuff, I guess. Um, And I noticed it has helped with feeling more human and connected and it's taken a lot of pressure off my shoulders. So I'm just going to keep doing it because nice. when I have that tone, I notice like people do have that tone a lot where they're just saying what they're thinking and not self-editing and their typos and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, the couple of times where I reread a message and was like, oh, I should have said a different word or I used the wrong word technically there or something. I kind of almost felt proud of it. Like, okay, this is something I'm not going to lose sleep over. It's whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so not worth stressing over at all. Right. So I feel like I did kind of tick one thing off the list of things to stress about, but we'll see how long I can keep it up. Nice. Good job. Thanks. <laughs> so silly. I don't know why that seems because there's a lot more things I could associate with being sincere or authentic or whatever. But for some reason that was the most the thing that came out most. Um just say what I'm thinking. Anyway, second Peter. Second Peter. I yeah, it was, uh, I didn't do any research into the background of it, but it's just the same Peter from the last book, you know, writing to people again. <laughs> same Peter. Um, yeah, I don't know if he's writing to, like, what kind of state they're in um, with their faith right now or what they're countering or whatever, uh, why he's having to write to them. But I, you know, like I said, that he does give the sense that he's doing it as a kind of goodbye thing or he knows he's gonna die soon right what did you think of chapter one let's see chapter one I kind of liked um verse five and uh verse five he says for this very reason make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know, I just like that, you know, whole like thought process, you know, it's kind of reminding me of, you know, when people say like, watch your thoughts, they turn into words and watch your words, they turn into action, you know, that kind of thing just the whole idea of like, you know, this it's a snowball thing, you know, have faith, but with your faith, also have goodness. And once you have that, you know, add in these other things. And I don't know, it just felt positive and something to strive towards, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's like a snowball, but a good one that mm-hmm. is going uphill and not downhill, I guess. Um, but with the help of the almighty or whatever life force is propelling that evolution and that change. Yeah, that's cool. Like better than the alternative of getting caught in sin and having that snowball. Um, Right. And then I just like the idea that that like keeps you being like an efficient and productive human, you know? Yeah. Good habits building on each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always want to 
be operating at my best. So like, you know, if there's a little cheat code to help do that, then I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. Yep, same. I heard um, someone recently on a podcast, they were talking about sin, not just within a Christian context, but they were saying, you know, the concept of sin um, can be defined as something that does not work. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. That's such a great way to put it. And that's how I feel about it. When I think about sin, it's like whatever separating you from being effective and good as a human or getting in your own way, you know? Yeah. Or doing harm in general to yourself or other people. But the idea of something like getting in the way of you working, like just making things not work um, Mm -hmm. makes so much sense. Yeah, I liked... uh, right after what you read you read five through eight Mm -hmm. and then he says in nine and ten for anyone who lacks these things is nearsighted and blind and is forgetful of the cleansing of past sins therefore brothers and sisters be all the more eager to confirm your call and election for if you do this you will never stumble so being eager to confirm your call and election I think we're going to read later in the book, like maybe is it chapter two or three, we'll read about God wanting everyone to be saved or wanting everyone to come to him. But then there's also this talk of like being called and being elected and it being, you know, we always have that debate of like Calvinism, are people predestined? So I just thought that was interesting, like him having that concept, but in the same breath as like the other idea of like oh there's a select few right Um, but he just the idea of like encouraging people to confirm their call in election like being eager any time in life that I felt a call toward purpose or mission or some kind of actualization or doing good work or whatever it's there's almost like um an inadequacy or shame or reluctance just major like I don't know things that you feel like you have to accomplish or whatever it's always been intimidating to me so that idea of like be all the more eager but he's saying like because he's saying therefore after all that snowball stuff like because you know you're going to keep getting better and more capable have more faith like more good works hopefully that does just put you in a better position to be Mm -hmm. eager about the challenges you meet and not just like lie down in front of them and you know yeah I was gonna say it feels like also he's almost saying to you like don't get caught up in the past you know so like if you have you know failed or you made mistakes in the past don't let that like you know don't get stuck there just keep moving forward yep a snowball can't go anywhere with an anchor attached to it (laughs) as they say (laughs) after that it's kind of like what you were talking about he's talking about how he's like you know I'll make every effort to see that after my departure you will always be able to remember these things so kind of like you said yeah he's just it's almost like he's just giving this one last reminder or one last uh I don't know what you call it it's like his um parting message because yeah he says I think it right as long as I am in this body to refresh your memory, since I know that my death will come soon, as indeed our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. So he's able to see his own death coming. And I wonder how long after this he actually did die. But um, he want, and then he says, like, he wants 
them to be able to recall this stuff after he's gone. So the more he mentions it and hammers it in and writes it down for posterity, which it worked because we're still reading it. Um, they, right. People who are around after he's gone will just have that reminder. Like, I know we talked about before the idea of like having to re-indoctrinate yourself on certain things and how it can be true for even like life things that make sense or whatever that you would think you don't have to keep reminding yourself of a truth that is a given like if it's the truth it's just you don't have to mm-hmm. indoctrinate but like I was saying before I think like I still feel that there is so much in life we have to be reminded of just the possibility of growth and change and all of that even at its core is like that's life and thriving and all of that even the most essential force of life is like so easy to lose sight of and forget it's so easy so (laughs) um or it can be so yeah I like that idea of just repetition reminding and us even having the practice of reading the bible yeah that's going to be kind of a thing that I miss when it's not happening anymore um not that I can't go back to it but yeah you can always read at your leisure and I probably would pick another holy book that I'm less familiar with to read Mm -hmm. through as well but yeah I'm 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 on the side of (laughs) indoctrinating as long as it's like a good thing that you're you know a good message yeah yeah helpful useful fruitful positive I was going to say, I thought it was interesting in 16, he says, we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So it just kind of also gives a new, I don't know, I, I don't necessarily know that like, I have always thought of the Bible as like, okay, these people are, even though like, you know, especially with the gospels and stuff, yeah, they're all living and, you know, walking next to like Jesus and stuff but like I don't know if I've ever really thought about the people writing it being like actual witnesses or writing about things that they saw themselves so I don't know it's just very interesting to like read that and to be like you know these aren't just stories we heard like we saw this you know I don't know it's just interesting yeah I don't know if this is the Peter I don't I wish I I keep thinking I wish I knew more about the actual scribes, like the people who wrote these things and like when they lived Mm -hmm. and what did they see of Jesus. I keep thinking I want to know, but it almost doesn't matter to me at the same time. But I read that and I also think like, yeah, that is cool to think they were like actual pals with Jesus, this icon, like this figure bigger than life that we can't even imagine like walking next to or whatever these people actually did and wrote about it. And at the same time, I think there are eyewitnesses. I can think back to people at like churches from when I grew up who would swear that they saw someone rise from the dead and you know that it's just like a hysteria you know so it's almost like even people in contemporary times have various testimonies of people or things they've seen or magical things they've seen and it's like well they're all stories and we know we just know however much we know about them you know Mm -hmm. very true but I, I thought about that too like oh that's so cool just to think of like people who were actually there even just to be around that energy you know yeah someone who had that level of impact (laughs) it just like reminds me of like watching like a documentary or something like people talking about like 
Michael Jordan or, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's something like that. Just hearing what people thought of this person Mm -hmm. that they were around. That most people will never get to meet in real life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's see. I did like the end too of this. Um, The last verse just says, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though humans, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I don't know, just that whole distinction of like, you know, it's not really, I don't know, I feel like people always think of like prophets as like gifted as if they're like psychic and they can, you know, see into the future, see things that, you know, we can't see it. It's, It's like, no, like, you know, they're just humans they're kind of just a vessel that like God is speaking through and it's not necessarily anything that they, you know, uh, saw or could do that any other human couldn't do. So um, I don't know. I just felt like that was interesting to read because, you you know, I feel like people always think of prophets as these like majestical type beings that have these special abilities and right. And- rather than them just being the channel and the vessel, yeah. something bigger right like they're not the one like they didn't it's it's almost like you know if they're saying we're going to get attacked by this army it's not like that was their own thinking and they knew they just god is just speaking that you know kind of speaking mm-hmm. that them. and i don't know if i ever really thought about prophets in that way so it was just interesting to read yeah i love that idea of people who are hyper hyper intuitive and perceptive and like get knowledge ahead of time that like is very eerily accurate like I think that there are people like that who Mm. are tapped in enough onto a wavelength but then you know I feel like there would be super specific prophecies just from what I remember growing up the ones that were very very specific from like the pulpit or in small groups or whatever always kind of put me off and still definitely would today but I remember um there being at least one that I'm thinking of now who would speak to the congregation from the pulpit and he would say these ridiculously specific things that he was getting from I guess this is a tactic with other televangelists too but getting from like prayer cards and things like and people don't think when they're hearing a message about their future or the future or whatever they're not always thinking oh did I ever tell anyone that or write that down or whatever did you ever have that, like a prophetess or prophet kind of culture in your churches? Do you remember? Not really. I don't remember that really being a part of any of the like churches that I went to or congregations. It was like, if anything, I just more remember like sometimes, you know, my family, we had certain friends that were, you know, maybe like deacons or whatever in the church and like if we were like one-on-one or just my family talking like they would sometimes you know they would do the like laying of the hands on like you know me and my siblings and stuff and I used to remember like one in particular one wife would always you know say like try to tell me that I was going to be someone that like people were going to come to you know for the word of God and all this stuff and like people were going to come ask me questions and you know, basically trying to say that I was like gifted or I had, you know, was anointed and that I was going to be this, you know, person that people come to or whatever. Um, But other than that, you know, I don't remember any, you know, super specific things like anyone calling out something like, oh, someone in this church is dealing with uh, this thing or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, I used to love that feeling of having like a cross drawn on my forehead or whatever, like having oil or something and somebody speak over me because you're getting that attention. You're getting some validation. You're getting some like words of faith spoken toward you and into your life. It's like very, it can be very encouraging. Mm-hmm. And that did kind of turn out to be true for you, right? I mean, don't, aren't you kind of like a council figure or people kind of ask you for advice and things? Yeah, that's true. I guess I am kind of a go-to person a lot of times for, uh, you know, friends and I do my mentoring and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, you know, in a sense, I guess that is, you know, valid. Yeah, they're picking up on something. Chapter two goes into that false prophet thing you were talking about and what's in store for them. <laughs> It goes into like this long run on sentence that I thought was so funny. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, the beginning was just a lot. <laughs> yeah. I guess I did like just the idea that it felt very um, karmic, I guess, you mm. know, you know, he's saying that, you know, in like three, he's like in their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. Mm. For God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in change of darkness to be held for judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world when he bought the flood on its ungodly people, blah, blah, blah. And I think that's the run on sentences you're probably <laughs> heard. It goes oh, on yeah, it goes on forever. Yeah forever but basically he's like if he you know did spare these people like almost like obviously these false prophets are going to get what's coming to them I don't know I just kind of like that idea that like even though you know he's kind of explaining how gross and exploitative and terrible these people are and corrupt that they're still going to have their day yeah but then he also on the flip side after all those examples of like throwing the angels out because of sin and I always wonder too, like, how did the angels get that first spark of evil and sin? Like, how did that happen within the, you know, construct of Christianity or whatever within the narrative? Like, how would these perfectly angelical beings like turn? How did Lucifer turn? You know, like, how did that happen? He also goes into like rescuing Lot because he was like a deeply righteous man and greatly distressed by the lawless. So he was righteous and did did bad things I guess or was distressed so God rescued him so not only the karma on the negative side but like I guess if you're destined if you're chosen called and righteous but you get into some shit like you can be rescued if you're unrighteous you can literally be an angel but there's something that will be your undoing in the end it's like it goes back to that theme of like predestination or your like your core nature is going to catch up to you. Yeah, the car, like you're going to get your karma. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trial and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, especially those who indulge their flesh in depraved lust and who despise authority. So being lustful, being depraved, despising authority, being like willfully evil, I guess. Yeah, and it says bold and willful. They're not afraid to slander the glorious ones. Yeah, then it goes on, like he's saying that they're like animals and, you know, um, whatnot. But then it says they will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in the pleasures while they feast with you. I just got this picture, too, of like, um, I don't know, almost like you're 
what does that say? Like a wolf in sheep's clothing, mm-hmm. you know, like these people will like sit there, smile in your face. And, you know, meanwhile, their true intentions are their core is like, you know, very harmful and they want to like destroy you. But I just like that. Like it says they're going to be paid back with harm for the harm they've done. So the idea that like, I don't know, sometimes you, you feel like why are these evil people getting away with things? Or it feels like sometimes the people that are super exploitative or just terrible seem to just have life go their way. And I don't know, that's always something that I, I hate to see, but I guess I like the idea that like one day they're going to get what's coming to them. And even whether or not I see it or not, just having that faith that like, it's all going to catch up. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to get the message because the angel thing, he's saying if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, So you can't be good enough to avoid the bad karma and the punishment if you do evil. You can't be inherently good enough to, I don't know, just something about all of it is confounding to me. Like what he's trying to say in terms of like somebody's inherent nature. Is it like you have this fixed inherent nature? Like angels are angels and they're perfect until they sin and then that sin makes them go to hell because I think that your actions define who you are and you can think that you're a good person or have it together but if time after time after time you don't like in real life that's all we can go on is like actions turn like we're talking about the snowball things build our character because they happen over and over like we turn into whatever we do So he, that goes with like the angel idea, like they are good, but once they sin, they're not going to be spared. But then there's this idea of like predestination and someone who's righteous is going to be spared if they do harm because they, their heart was in the right place. I don't know. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe I'm thinking about it in a weird way, but it just feels like it's too, I don't know what he's, um, it could also be like the angel thing. Cause like, further down to um he's talking about like it's almost worse to know better and then Mm, mm, mm. like it could also be like a a thing like that like just because you know what's right and wrong like that's not going to save you if you're still acting in a way like and maybe the angels were punished the harshest and sent to hell and turned into demons because they knew for sure what good was and turned away from it still yeah and still so it's like if you even know, then that almost makes you even more evil that you mm-hmm. like know this and you're still choosing like to do these bad things, knowing that it's wrong. You know, it's almost mm-hmm. just like that's just that's even worse than maybe just willful ignorance or just other things. So yeah. Yeah. And he's when you were reading um verse 13, these people, the people who are not afraid of slander and who are bold and willful in their sin, these people are like irrational animals mere creatures of instinct born to be caught and killed yeah there's like a real condemnation of just being ignorant and um operating without wisdom without intention without strength I guess without character without any but I still I just don't know if Peter would say that there are some people who are born destined to be creatures of instinct and their lower life forms and lower humans who <laughs> are never going to have that angelic nature like I don't know I just wonder I wish I knew more about his 
I guess, conception of humanity. And, but it's a lot to mull over. I don't know why it's like turning my brain inside out. Cause I like to, I always like to think I'm a good person. Cause I know my own heart and my intentions. It's easy to feel like a good person, but lately I have been, um, trying to see objectively like okay but am I like I can't I could be I don't know it's all like what effect I'm having and what effect I'm having on myself and other people and I don't know it's not a static thing I feel like you know I feel like the people he's talking about they know you know like it's like they're willfully doing wrong Yeah, they're willfully doing wrong like you you know maybe questioning like you know that's I feel like that's already a step above like a lot right people just operating horribly on instinct and yeah like they yeah. don't care <laughs> like if they yeah. you know because it's purely about their own wants and whatever like they're not even thinking like am I good it doesn't matter they want what they want and they're gonna mm-hmm. get it through any means but that to me that kind of person is just as pitiful like that's a pitiful person who doesn't have any access to strength of character or wisdom or growth like that so I I would have a hard time really holding those people responsible if they're really that ignorant pure instinct then I'm like oh then you're just an animal like how can I judge like (laughs) you don't know how to do good because you have no desire or whatever like that's so tragic anyway I guess just the question of accountability and sin predestination and um responsibility accountability all of that I don't know it's just a lot to think about with this this material um the mention in verse 14 they have eyes full of adultery insatiable for sin they entice unsteady souls they have hearts trained in greed accursed children oh even him just using the word accursed like those people are cursed to me that's I guess that's what I mean by tragic like they're just like what is wrong with you that you don't have any desire for <laughs> goodness in life you know they're demons that implies like that they have some evil intent but if the whole thing is that they're operating on instinct and don't have intent it's like well their intent is it's, it's they're experts in greed and getting the unstable people so they're feeding off of the negative while other people feed off of positive positivity yeah yeah but to me that is a curse if you're kind of in that state yeah like it's like he's calling them bold and willful and not afraid to slander but then calls them irrational animals mere creatures of instinct so it's like though I guess those two ideas are hard to reconcile Mm -hmm. like the agency and the lack of agency and the Mm -hmm. all of that but um But anyway, the idea of like they entice unsteady souls, just that phrase of unsteady soul, because that's what I'm like always just seeking more and more is like equanimity and peace and stability. And lately I've been calling it to myself. I've been calling it um, like I'm becoming more savage or something, (laughs) like almost like turning off your reactivity and emotions. Uh people can like do crazy stuff or things that would get a rise out of me I just want to just not react right you know just be completely calm and steady through everything so I loved that like don't like be a steady soul and don't be enticed by Mm -hmm. energy vampires or whatever it is yeah let them get their fix somewhere else (laughs) yeah like turn them away (laughs) like you're not gonna get anything from me like you're not gonna get the energy you're looking for it's funny because that reminds me of this convo I had kind of with a 
friend last week, I think it was, I was like walking home and uh, this lady, she like turned around and she's looking at Zena. Zena's my dog for anyone listening. She's shaggy and she just looks at her at first. She's like, oh, and I thought she's like, you know, saying she's cute. And then she just kept staring. She's like, mm, God, that dog just looks so mangy. And I was like, you know, and at the time I was just like, it was one of those things where I was so like kind of cut off guard and I wish I had like said something snappy or snarky back to her, but I just kind of like laughed it on. I was like, oh, I mean, you know, it's her hair, it's her personality. You know, I just kind of like laughed it off, but like, I was so upset about it and it really bugged me like the whole rest of the day. I was just like, that's such a rude thing. And I was telling my friend about it because I was, you know, walking from his house. I'm like, I got home and I was telling him, yeah, on my way home, this lady said this. And he's like, he was like, oh, and he was like, you know what I do with people like that sometimes? I was like, what he says, you know, comments like that, you know, you just, just return it to them. Don't receive it. You know, I would have just said, oh, well, you know, that comment, I don't think that's for me. So you can go ahead and have that back. And I was like, hmm. I so like, I really thought, I was like, I kind of want to start doing that. Just like sending people back their energy, you know, like, no, I don't have to receive, you know, like you're saying that to, and I know that you're saying that to me in a way that like, no one would say that as a compliment, you know, like, I know it wasn't a nice thing. She wasn't trying to say it to be, you know, nice to me. And it's like, what was the point of you saying that? And it was obviously something in her that she needed to get out. And I took it and I carried it home with me. And I was upset when, and I wish I had, yeah, at that moment, just said, you can go ahead and have that back, you know, just kind of because that's the thing too. If you think it's okay to say that to me, then you have no problem if I send it right back to you, right? So you, yeah. you deal, deal with that. And I just thought that was like super interesting, and I never thought um, to deal with like you know comments like that or negativity in that way to just be like, oh, it's not for me. You can have it. You know, like just yeah. verbally, just kind of saying that. I feel like if I start doing that, maybe that would be like nice. And it's like it's dead it's gone because like I didn't say really say anything so then yeah it just stuck with me and I'm thinking about it I'm even telling the story now where you know if I could have just said to her like mm, yeah you know like no <laughs> like you I've go heard- ahead and have that back <laughs> that's so funny that's so great I've heard people say you can keep that too or you can keep yeah. it yeah yeah oh, kind of like that. Keep that yeah like oh yeah. you go ahead and keep that yeah so I, I that's something that I've been like thinking about ever For- since that just you know being like oh you go ahead and keep that like just because someone says that yeah I don't have to like receive that and internalize it um but yeah I heard too somebody say that if you repeat what the person said sometimes it makes them like confront and admit what they just like Mm -hmm. oh what did you say my dog like my dog oh my dog is me oh is that like they have to either like double down or walk it back but you either way you're volleying it back to them right yeah that's that's so good I gotta keep that in mind if I get next time I get insulted (laughs) right (laughs) yeah I'll be on the I'll be on the lookout I'm gonna be I know yeah I'm just waiting to use that Um, (laughs) you know what child I think that you go ahead and have that comment but no that's not for me sorry sorry my body doesn't really want to want to take that in so you can go ahead and have that back (laughs) yep um what did you think I had 18 talking about the um people like the false prophets for they speak bombastic nonsense and with licentious desires of the flesh they entice people who have just escaped from those who live in error that idea living in error I bet yours words it differently does it it does but the the lives in error part still the same okay yeah I loved that phrase like there's this erroneous way to (laughs) or there's like a wrong path or a harmful path to take and 
once you escape it, it's like so tempting to be pulled back and the false prophets might pull you back and the desires and all the sin and all that. And just that idea of you just escaped and you're starting on the right path and you got to look to your left and right and make sure you're not pulled back where you came from. Yeah, like right after that to you, it says they promised them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. And then it says, for people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. And that stuck out to me a lot because I'm like, oh, God, that's so true. Like, it's just like, it's like anything almost like, I, you know, it's almost like, say you have a mentor you look up to career wise and stuff. They're going to talk to you and mentor you in a way where they're like, I don't know, they're going to pass down the importance of whatever is like, you know, mastered them. You know, like if they're a mentor who is really driven by say luxury, you know, then all their like knowledge and all their teachings to you are going to be about how to get more luxury because they are a slave to that. And that's all they know. And that's what they're living for versus someone else who may not even necessarily be telling you you know if you want this and that they could just be saying hey if you want a nice work life balance then this is how to get it or or you know or even just asking you what's important to you like you know do you want this and letting you kind of figure it out for yourself so like I don't know just kind of keeping that in mind too that like if you have you know just keeping in mind the people that are like teaching you or over you like thinking about what's important to them and like unpacking that and realizing like the stuff that they're teaching you or they're trying to like instilling you is it really aligning with what you want in life yes. or is it just, yeah or is it just this is their slave to this way of life and this yeah. is how to get it mm-hmm. which is why ideally you shouldn't be enslaved to other people in general and have your own have the truth be what you're enslaved to like that's such a good encapsulation of why I like to think of things spiritually and try to because I do believe that everybody's serving something like you got to serve somebody that song or that like you you are like we're at the mercy of so many changing tides and winds and things like people and things around us like so at the mercy all the time and if you don't have this like beacon of truth whatever that gives you life yeah it's going to be different maybe kind of for different people but I do think there is some kind of formula just like with health um there's somewhat of a formula of like don't eat this and do eat that um to be healthy there's that in terms of values but Mm -hmm. I heard the other day I feel like I read this somewhere somebody saying like don't ever take advice or mentorship from someone that you would not trade places with Mm -hmm. and that's totally like, oh, yeah. I've always thought that too, in any job or any situation, like why am I listening to this person? Cause I want to be more like them or do I just, have I believed in their assertion of authority? <laughs> like, it's, right. mm-hmm. have I been won over by their charm or their persuasiveness? Or is it like, do I really want to be them or not? You know what I mean? Like, why would I take their word or whatever? It's important to keep asking for sure. Oh yeah. I know so many of my jobs, I just, I'm like, I would never want my boss's job. Like, right, yeah. <laughs> I gotta do this, like, I'm never, but it, never want to do that. Yeah, and in the past, that has made me really run away, and now I'm trying to find more of, like, oh, okay, but you, it isn't so cut and dry and black and white, like, you can say, I do want these parts of it, 
I can weigh it against my own experience. I can choose what to adopt and what not to and strategize, you know, so I'm trying to do that more now, but yeah, it's tough. What about that proverb at the end? <laughs> Didn't we read that somewhere else? So he's talking about people. I'll read from 20. <laughs> For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overpowered. The last state has become worse for them than the first. So like you're even more hopeless and in sin if you go back into it after escaping it. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment that was passed on to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, the dog turns back to its own vomit and the sow is washed only to wallow in the mud. Haven't we read the dog in its own vomit? Really? Before? Maybe in Psalms or something, mm -hmm. or Proverbs. It's like somebody condemning themselves. Like I'm like a dog returning to my own vomit, something like that. Really? Mm -hmm. I know. I don't remember off the bat, but it's definitely possible. I'm just not remembering. What did you think of it? Um, I thought that was interesting, and it hit me too because I'm, you know, been struggling with this whole wanting to eat better type thing and. And it just is like one of those things where it's like, oh, why is that so hard to do though, to do what you know feels better or what is good for you. And it is kind of like, what is that about? You know, if you know what makes you feel better, it's almost like, why are you continuing to do things that go opposite of that? So it's just really um, interesting. And I think probably that's how a lot of addicts feel, you know? Yeah. Um, just why do you keep returning? Like, you know, you feel better when you're clean. So right like why continue to do um these things yeah I don't know because they are pleasurable and ap appealing on some level on such a chemical level that it's hard to resist like that's one of the great tragedies of life that a lot of things that are pleasurable are not good for you um, right. or they're pleasurable temporarily right but they don't work in the yeah. long run for you they don't work toward the good and are therefore sin sinful but I heard too it reminded me of um the idea of when you're living high on the hog or something or you taste the riches of life and all that you know I, I guess essentially if you're very wealthy and mm -hmm. you have like a great lifestyle um the idea that like if you fall from that it's even more miserable being <laughs> or again or being like yeah. without and having lack you feel it 10 times harder because now um, you know what you're missing out <laughs> yeah it's like the executive who's a millionaire and then they lose everything and then you know they eventually commit suicide or whatever because it's like no this you know I'm done for life is done it's like oh my gosh um uh -huh. but yeah it's on a spiritual level definitely if you've felt the best ever and felt so spiritually well and then you lose that it can be like the deepest depression yeah. ever because you're like oh I thought what I had was so real and what if it's this fleeting like how real can it be and how valuable can it be like you start to doubt the existence of the thing that you have firsthand experience with and then or you lose it and can't bear the idea of like it's real but not for me anymore but it was but it was taken away like it's so crushing so mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the idea of like going against yourself to actively return to your own vomit for comfort. Like, right. <laughs> very sick, but very human. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, chapter three, 
chapter three mostly about the lord coming back i guess right yeah he's like you verse three says above all you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires but um but like you say yeah i don't know he's talking about the last days and oh i liked eight where he says do not forget this one thing dear friends with the lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I don't know if that's kind of what you were, because I remember you said you there was something in here about him wanting everyone to, you know, be saved and, and get into the kingdom. So I don't know if that's kind of what you were. Yeah, that is what I was thinking of. I was just yeah. scanning and looking for that, but that's exactly what it was. But I thought that's interesting too, yeah, because just the whole concept of time too, and just the Bible is old as hell, and people are like, oh, that's you know, it's never gonna come. But you know, if you're thinking that a thousand years is like one day, you know, then really, in in God's eyes, not that much time has passed. And if anything, He's just trying to give humans time to get their shit together. I I do like that encouragement of like don't just be thinking on your own timetable for anything. Like if you have faith and persistence and the trust that something will come around or pay off, like it has to happen. And just that idea of like divine timing. I really like that because Mm -hmm. we are so blind to the future. And we like to think that we have these like five-year plans or whatever. And it's like, really can you like nobody could have planned for 2020 for example like there's always going to be something that affects the time the schedule the itinerary you have for your life so like be patient Mm -hmm. know that you're not in control but yeah that part about the lord being patient with people not wanting any to perish as if he's giving enough time for certain people to come around Mm -hmm. Um, but for all to come to repentance like why is that even an idea it just seems like from the same sources and people who talk about it being all predestined and God's elect and God's chosen and not everyone's gonna go it's so hard right (laughs) yeah yeah it's like an elect group of people but yeah, the idea that like God wishes everyone could come in and he's going to wait and be patient. It's like, um, I don't know. It's Yeah, there's uh, definitely a little bit of a disconnect or conflict with those <laughs> two messages. But yeah. when we've talked about it before and I'll say it again, but it just, it is true about life. Like if love were personified, it would want everyone to feel it, right? It would want everyone to be in love and rapturous joy and community and mutual affection, all of that all the time. Like utopia basically would like Mm -hmm. to include everyone. Um, But actual life, the reality of life is that some people are never going to reach that spiritually Mm -hmm. for themselves. And like, yeah, so it's like, even in this Bible, the, the, God figure is both of those things and that is what always I struggle with because he's being personified so much but as a personified figure you can't be pure love and also the yin and the yang so it's like I believe in the yin and the yang and I also believe in pure love but I don't think they're 
together one thing and that they can be personified I don't know it's just a lot <laughs> yeah it's just complicated like, it's kind of impossible to have everyone on the same page like that just is impossible like, but at the same time it's the ideal that we have to pretend to believe in and strive toward and that's what would create a utopia is believing in it even if it isn't possible it's like a yeah. weird paradox you know I guess it's like we're never gonna get there but like if we don't have that idea like we can't we definitely even won't close you know like yeah it's like we can't even but like the idea is like we're probably not gonna reach there but at least we'll get hopefully you know 80, 20%. I don't know. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, we'll get, we'll shoot for the moon and land among yeah, the stars. Exactly. And it's like, we'll never get there. And it's like, yeah, not with that attitude. It's like your attitude informs whether we get there. But at the same time, the that goal of complete utopia is impossible. I don't know. Yeah. But that's what spiritually inclined people ideally believe in is that everyone should be loved and be redeemable. And it's just not. A reflection of reality but it's nice nice mm -hmm. to believe in for sure what is he i feel like we're talking about all these concepts and theories and i'm just like what is he telling them he's basically just telling them to remain steady get ready for the coming of christ i'm gonna die soon some of you won't make it or some of but he's talking to the elect few so just yeah. more, kind of like more encouragement yeah, it almost just seems like this. Don't forget that like this day is gonna come. So just make sure you're always on your in your best behavior kind of thing. Cause like you don't know when it's gonna come. So like if you do have any doubts or you are unstable, get it together. Cause who knows when this day is coming. Basically, he says that in verse 14. Therefore, beloved, while you are waiting for these things, strive to be found by him at peace without spot or blemish. So that's the goal is just to be clean and righteous and at peace, have that stability, the peace and be ready. Yeah. So also our beloved brother, Paul wrote to you according to the wisdom given him speaking of this as he does in all of his letters, there are some things in them hard to understand which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You therefore, beloved, since you are forewarned, beware that you are not carried away with the error of the lawless and lose your own stability. Yeah, it just keeps hammering in that stability thing. Mm -hmm. Peace. There are some things in them hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist. At least he's admitting that like, Although he's calling out Paul for having like inscrutable letters or <laughs> hard to understand concepts. It's like, you too, dude. Like, right? <laughs> also, you're talking about big life and big spiritual matters. Like, right. Yeah, it's not just Paul who's confusing. And is everyone who finds it hard to under? He's like, on one hand, admitting that these things are kind of hard to understand, but he's also like condemning the ignorant and unstable who twist things. So it's like, yeah. I definitely grew up with that, um, that complex of like anything spiritual that I don't get or don't believe right away or don't quite, I have a hard time with. It's like, you do feel very personally condemned. Like, oh, I'm, it's because I'm evil and mm -hmm. I have demons in me and they're trying to confuse me. And I'm also evil inherently. And like, I'm trying to read everything to my own benefit and it's like I that's something 
I don't think that I'm condemned by God. We can be condemned by the truth because it can be very confronting and um, mm -hmm. challenging. But when I read spiritual things or read the Bible, I always am kind of thinking like, oh, am I having a hard time wrapping my brain around it because my evil nature is like not letting me vibe with like the truth of like righteousness or is it because these are big things that are hard to understand sometimes like it's you know it's like perfectly natural but there is that condemnation if you grew up religious sometimes are religious or whatever second peter yeah how do you feel after going through it does it feel like less straightforward than other things or did we just make it or did I just make it weird? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I got a little uh, more, you know, deeper than it appeared the first time I went through this. But um, I mean, I, I guess that's also a lot of things <laughs> in the Bible. Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I do think it was interesting that we're starting to hear about these uh, end days, though, and the, the final things, um, especially now that we really only have, what, like a handful of books left I don't even literally know. a handful like yeah. five yeah so um it's just interesting that we're starting to get into that especially when I don't know I feel like that is such a big part of Christianity is this you know second coming of Christ and these end days that they talk about and it's like okay so we've read all this and now we're kind of gearing up for that you know, final revelation chapter and, and what it says and whatnot. So it's just kind of almost like, I don't know, it's like, oh God, what does this really say? You know, I'm ready mm -hmm. to kind of hear Get all to the that. climax. Yeah. Of <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's ramping up to an end for mm -hmm. sure. Uh, what did you think? Do you have a takeaway? Yeah. Um, let me think. I really do like the theme of stability. Uh, I think, okay, what I've been feeling more convicted about lately is that I need to have more time to myself, like in my own head in a very, um, like a meditative state, basically, but I'm not going to make my word of faith to be start meditating again, because I feel mm -hmm. like I always kind of want to do that. And I'm so on and off with it. But I have been feeling like I should be waking up super early to carve out time for just me and my own thoughts and being offline too and just mm -hmm. having like some reflection I'm not going to go on these like miles long walks like you do but um, <laughs> but I can at least like I can at least sit in my writing slash prayer closet and like have that time to myself I walk my dog a lot though so I feel like I have those times throughout the day but First I was going to say also that it might not be your time, you know, because then mm -hmm. you're distracted by outside stuff. That's true. Yeah. Because I'll be looking all around mm -hmm. and yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, what about you? Do you have a takeaway? Yeah. I was looking back because I was trying to remember what it was that I was like, because mm, like I remember reading something being like, that's it. And it was, um, I had just found it. Oh, the part about, you know, people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. Yeah. Just. I don't know that stuck out to me because I think lately I've definitely been feeling maybe less in control of my actions and emotions and, and that kind of thing and more being a slave to like you know things that have you know mastered me like eating for comfort and you know 
whatever else, you know? So just, I think maybe trying to shift certain power dynamics, I guess, and, and also maybe even before that, just also like, I know for, for, for sure, like food is obviously like my number one addiction and um, whatnot, but maybe just also trying to identify these other areas that maybe I'm less aware of that are kind of, you know, triggering or, or controlling, I guess, maybe some of my emotions and, and things and just maybe trying to sort that out and figure out how to shift that power dynamic and become the master of uh, these things. So we'll see. Yeah. Awesome. That's maybe, so good. Yeah, being more active in my life, I guess, this kind of maybe. And identifying your hangups and yeah. sins or whatever, the things that don't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm looking forward to it actually. Like, this is a word of faith that I feel really excited about. I don't typically feel like, oh, I'm excited to try this, but um, mm-hmm. just even the closet I'm sitting in right now that I converted into a tiny office, I have been neglecting it so much. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this would be the perfect, I should be here every morning. Yeah. And, yeah. Use that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you for another great book, another episode. Um, that was 61. And next time will be. Mm-hmm first John right yep um so yeah we are at bcbspodcast at gmail.com we only have our literal handful of episodes left Mm -hmm. it has been quite the journey and we're ramping up to the end um come back and join us in two sabbaths for more black Black Bible study. study